The peace of Christ be with you. I invite you now to take about three deep breaths that your awareness might open to recognize the presence of the living spirit right here. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. How shall we meet you? join me in our call to worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the community with God's help we have built. Let us dwell together in sacred fellowship.
of compassion, give us to eat the bread that is you. Nourish us well and teach us to fashion lives that are holy and hearts that are true. Not in the dark of buildings confining, not in some heaven light years away. Here in this place the new light is shining, now is the kingdom and now is the I want to welcome you to Westminster worship. It is good to be worshiping with you virtually today. However you have found us, wherever you may be as you join with us in worship, it is good to be together. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, for drawing us into this faith community, we give you thanks. We come together seeking the experience of your grace, your guidance, your forgiveness, and even your challenge. Help us through the obstacles to our growth as your people. Set us free from prejudice or harshness. Free us from old scripts and stories we tell ourselves. Grant us the space to honor what has been, that we might grow into what will be. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, rejoice in the abundant love of God and know that God forgives us unconditionally. In Christ, we are set free. We are made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. I want to invite any of the children worshiping with us today to join me closer to the screen. Close screen time for time of discovery. Well, hi. I don't think we've met before. What are your names? Barbie? Barbie? Okay, you have the same name. That's great. Well, I want to introduce you to my friends. I'm glad you can join us for Pretend Superhero Time of Discovery. Uh, you may know some of our pretend superheroes here. These are my real superheroes right here. These, these young ladies and young men, they have been going to school all week without actually going to school. <laughs> they didn't even get to play outside much this week because of all the smoke. And they have been taking care of their families. They've been getting smarter and doing well in school. They have been taking care of their responsibilities at home, even though they don't get to do hardly any of the fun things they used to do. They have been real superheroes. So I, I want you to get to know them also. Maybe you'll get to meet sometime in the, in the future. 
I, I have a question for all of you today because, you know, the those of us you see up on the stage and on the camera now, you know, we don't know all the answers to our own face, so we're still learning too. Um, so my, what I'm wondering about, what I've been wondering about is, do you think God gets hungry ever? Do you think God ever gets hungry? I, yeah, Thor. Th oh, Thor, actually, you're a great person to ask because you're a demigod and you may know a thing or two. Oh, God does get hungry. Well, what does God do if God gets hungry, you think? He just invents, okay, he just invents food out of thin air and eats it. That's bad. I wish I could do that. Can you do that, Thor? Well, we, I don't know if we've ever seen it. That, that would be really neat. Maybe you can save it for us for next week. Um, let me see. Anybody else? Oh, Barbie. Yeah, sure. What do you think God does if God gets hungry? God has a huge refrigerator in heaven and just opens it up and gets food that I wish I had one of those. Do you have a big refrigerator, Barbie? You do? Man, I wish I had a big one. We have a we have a pretty good sized one, but, you know, I like to cook. It'd be great to have a bigger one. Anyway, uh, I have another question. Do you think God ever gets cold? Like, does God ever think, it's cold outside? Iron Man, do you think God ever gets cold? No, you don't think so, Spider-Man? What, what if God got cold? Do you think, what, what would God do? Yeah, Spider-Man, yeah. he would spin a web of clothing over himself. That's very funny. That's very funny, Spider-Man. What would God do? What do you think God would do if God got cold? And I have another question. What do you think, or, or you know, I haven't prayed sometimes as much as I would like to. Do you know how that feels? Where I think, oh, you know, I wish I would have prayed some more today or yesterday. And then I think, does God miss me? Does God, like, notice I haven't talked to God in a long time? Well, if God does miss us, does God get lonely? And if God gets lonely, do, can we visit God and make God feel better? What what do we do if God gets lonely? You, oh, that's sweet, Barbie. You get God a flower and, and make him feel... Yeah, that's sweet. I think that's great. That would make me feel a lot better. Now, the reason I ask all these questions, not because I was wondering about them, but also because Jesus talked about them with his friends. He said, listen, the way God wants the world to look, the way heaven is like, Sort of like, what do we do when God gets hungry? And what do we do when God needs clothing? And what do we do if God feels lonely? And if you're wondering what should we do if God feels or experiences any of those things, then what you should do is go to our church's YouTube channel, WPC Tiburon, and find our Sunday school lesson. should be towards the top uh, with Bethany and Ben, and they'll talk a lot more, and they'll give you a song, which I can't do. Uh, about what we do when God is hungry, when God is lonely, when God gets cold. It's pretty interesting stuff. And, and I'll give you a little hint. You are part of the answer. So we will see you later. We will see you next time. Go now in peace. Go. Hi, everybody. I'm Todd. I sure miss seeing you at church and in person. Um, what have you been doing lately? Well, I've, I've been working with the renovation committee a little bit to maybe build a brand new church so we can go see each other in soon.
Anyway. Uh, I'm Lucy and we miss seeing everybody. I've been working from home since March 16th. I was told that's been over 20 weeks. My days I get up and run and then I Zoom all day and then I take a walk and then I come home to a wonderful dinner cooked by one of these two gentlemen. And that's been a lot of fun. And um, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was putting on a house concert for a musician who uh, had lost all of her concerts. And so that was really fun to help her and to listen to her music and to listen to some new music played by this fellow. Hi, this is Alex. Wasn't expecting to finish up my college years at home, but I did and it was great to be home with my parents and uh, have our uh, home cooked meals and a fridge right around the corner from my desk. Um, so that was that was great. Been keeping up since since uh, I finished school, exercising, biking, and uh, looking for a job. And so the newest development there is I'm going to join my brother on the East Coast. I'll dearly miss the church community, but I found a job out in Boston. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stay in touch with the, with the church uh, as I move out East. Hopefully to be back soon. And find a good Presbyterian church in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So with that, we wish you all the best of the dog days of summer and look forward to seeing you when we can. Take care. Bye. As we come to our time of joys and concerns, as always, we invite you to share with us what is on your heart and mind today. If you're watching with us on Facebook, go ahead and type your joys and concerns right into the comment section or be in touch with us this week that we may be in prayer together. Let us pray. In this moment, gracious God, you have called us to this place and this time where we can commune with you and with one another. We gave thanks for this moment to be in prayer together. Restorer of our souls, you have seen the parched places of our lives. Meet us now, we ask, in those places of pain so that we might be reminded of your love for us and for all of your children. Hear us now as we share with you our prayers of concern, of grief, and of sorrow. Calm our anxious spirits, O God, that we may hear your word of hope Open us to the reality of your all-embracing love, both in our individual lives and in the wider world. Surround us with confidence in your good news. And hear us now as we share our prayers of joy and thanksgiving. Open our hearts to receive your compassion, O God, so that we may be vessels of resurrection hope in our troubled world. And we now pray together the prayer that your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Oh,
our first reading comes from the book of Psalms. Please listen to what the Spirit may be saying to us. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why is it, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back? O mountains, that you skip like rams, O hills, like lambs. Ter tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The second reading comes from the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter verses 19 to 31. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them in the pillar of cloud, moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. The Lord clogged their chariot wheels so they, that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and their chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Egyptians, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea. The water is forming a wall on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work the Lord had done, the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and the Lord's servant, Moses. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
Today was to be our ingathering. That joyous time when we begin another program year and we celebrate it by coming together for a meal after worship. And instead, here we still are. Or maybe I should say, here we still aren't. What we would do just to have that meal, to think we took that meal for granted, to no fault of our own. Wouldn't it be nice to be sitting together right now? To have a common meal, to have some simple conversation. How have you been? I can't believe he's already in college. How's your sister? You mentioned she had cancer. I've been praying for her. I don't know if we've adequately named all that we've missed and all that we've lost. We've been so busy just trying to get by, trying to adapt as things keep happening, try to respond to each curve as it comes that we haven't taken stock of all of it. Just think of what we've been through in the last year. I put together a little list. I'm sure it doesn't capture all of it. But the end of a school year spent at home. For some, their last year in school. What a way to finish. People likewise sent home from work, some later to find out they weren't going to go back. The loss of life or of health or of a certain future from COVID. The loss of other loved ones from other causes, but uh, those for whom we could not be present because of COVID. People dying, being sick, alone, without a chance to say goodbye face to face. All the little social interactions, the conversations missed out on, the touching, the hugging, the children playing with each other face to face. The far-reaching economic consequences of this. And not just the dollars and the numbers, but the lives that are affected by the loss of those. The organizations that can't function, the businesses that go away, and the livelihoods that follow. Family vacations. Family milestones. Not fully celebrated. November is my parents' 50th anniversary. We were going to go. Now November will likely come and go, and we likely won't. And it's been a year, maybe, since we've seen them, and when will we see them again? And they have each other. I think of Sherry's mother, who has faced this pandemic across the country all alone, like so many, yet here we still are. And so this year, I can't tease Bruce Nelson in line for the in-gathering meal or be teased by Bruce. I can't be stumped by another one of uh, Jeff Healy's uh, facts from a book he's read that morning or a riddle or a new maxim he's come up with. I can't be brought a smile by Sharon Terrell's little dog, Charlotte, who I have always kind of equated uh, with the Holy Spirit. 
She's such an image of that for me. She kind of weaves her way in and out of our legs in a meeting or in coffee hour, always there but never fully acknowledged, kind of bringing a gentle smile to the room. If 2020 wasn't cruel enough, we even lost little Charlotte this year. It's all too painful an image giving uh, given what I just said about her and the way she reminded me of God because sometimes this world feels a little godless right now. Now, when this began, many of us weren't that scared. We kicked back, we watched Netflix. But before long, that grew tiresome. And before long, our screens were filled with images far less pleasant. Images of racially charged police violence. Images of widespread demonstrations. Images of wider gulfs in our politics, as if that were possible. And all the while, the numbers keep piling up from the coronavirus. And every time we make a little progress and seem to be able to get ahead of it, we seem to just give that progress right back. So Marin, at least at the time I wrote this, was still in the purple zone, the harshest zone of reopening, while the skies are telling us filled with smoke that we're still in the orange zone of haze and wildfire. Now, I don't say all this to bring you down. I try to name all these things for two important reasons. The first is to acknowledge what you have endured, what you've been through, so that you can give yourselves a little bit of credit, a little bit of grace and forgiveness for the time or two that you've totally fallen apart or not lived up to who you think you are. Think of what you've been through and what you've endured. Any one of these things in normal times would be enough to knock us down, to bring us to our knees, and you've endured them, one stacked on top of the other. Honor that. And along those lines, the second reason I bring it up is so that we can appropriately grieve the things we've lost, mourn them. We haven't really had collective acts of mourning. And that's essential. We're not good at it in this culture because we don't like to dwell in our pain. But if we don't properly mourn, we can't properly move through the difficulty that is before us. We get stuck, and so we must. I don't know if you can see it that well, but on the chancel, beneath the cross, in front of the cross, I've lit six additional candles today. They're each to represent one aspect that we've lost, that we can grieve, that deserves to be honored. And I want to invite you into that. The first candle I light for those lost or affected by the coronavirus. The second candle I light to name our own failure in properly and adequately 
addressing and responding to this pandemic as soon as we could have. That's a tragedy in and of itself. The third, the third candle I light in honor and sadness of the racial strife that remains in our society, the inequality. The fourth candle I light in honor of our broken relationship with the earth and the many ways in which she's crying out to us right now. The fifth candle I light for our inability to gather, to be together in so many settings, some for serious matters and many for simple, joyful aspects of life, times to have fun together, including here at the church. The sixth candle I light, but invite you to name. You to honor what it is that you are mourning this day. You can do that in the quiet of your own heart, or you can do that in the chat function of this screen if you're watching it in a format that allows it, or you can say it out loud wherever you are. Think of it as the candle of the unnamed casualty of these times. Our sacred reading that we shared today is also about a very difficult time in the ancestors' story. They fled this terrifying and terrible reality, and they were delivered by God from the hands of the Egyptians. And God brought them to safety, parting the waters, and then unleashed the waters back on the Egyptian pursuers, wiping them away, and they were seen dead on the shore. Now, quite frankly, I could have done with just the deliverance. Right now, I could do with the deliverance. I don't need the vengeance or the payback or the finger pointing, just the deliverance. It just so happens that next week I begin a sermon series on so-called troubling passages of the Bible, but you might as well say we begin it this week because it's that aspect of this story that troubles so many Christians I know. Although I should say it's those who tend to look more like Egypt than Israel in the story who seem most troubled by that aspect. Those who've been pushed around or kept down their whole lives may have reason to be less bothered by this leveling of the story. But nonetheless, as someone who believes that nonviolence is at the center of Christianity, I think we have to address the aspect of the story. And we won't say, well, that's the Old Testament God who is vengeful and angry. That is quite literally the oldest heresy in the book. And it doesn't bear resemblance to what's in Scripture in either Testament. So we won't fall for that. So I have two responses to offer this moment where this wonderful deliverance is also followed by this terrible destruction. And the first is this, to invite us to move beyond our literal mind, to grow up a little bit in our reading. As the Apostle Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. Just as we grow up in many other things, 
We have to learn to grow up in our faith, too, and in our reading of our sacred texts. We don't have to be stuck with a simplistic reading. There's no archaeological or historical evidence of the Exodus or the conquest of Canaan. It probably never happened. Now, lest you think I'm disparaging our Jewish friends, it was the rabbis who first taught me that. Because they understand that this story is about something far deeper than a historical account. It's an archetypal narrative about oppression and constriction and liberation, freedom, and the choice of what to do with your freedom once it's been delivered to you, and how you will exert yourself in the world, particularly when you're put in a position to exert your power over another. How will you choose to use your freedom? That's what this story asks us to consider. And secondly, as we move beyond our literalism, the story asks us to consider what it is that Israel stands for. Who is Israel? What is Israel? And likewise, Egypt. As we've said in here before, Egypt is often translated as the narrow place, which may have a geographic origin in the way that it was uh, situated along the passage of the Nile, but it also carries a metaphorical meaning in the context of this story because Egypt is the narrow place that squeezes in the, and oppresses and keeps down its enslaved peoples. It narrowly holds on to power. It coerces it forces down, it exploits, and it extracts. There is no room to breathe or live freely there if you're one of the slaves. Israel, on the other hand, is often translated as uh, struggled or wrestled. Comes from that story when Jacob, whose name becomes Israel, has that divine wrestling match all night, at the end of which he is said that you'll be called Israel for you have wrestled with God and with humans and have prevailed. Although linguistically, the subject of the verb is not uh, Jacob, it's God's. So it's God who's doing the wrestling. And it's not a neutral wrestling, but it, it connotes fairness, justice. So it's a God who struggles for justice. We have then in this story a portrait between two peoples, a portrait of two different ways of being, of ordering life, of moving through the world, of existing. One is the narrow way that pushes in and presses in and takes advantage of. And the other is the way that joins in with God. It doesn't confuse its power with God, but sees the power with God and joins in in pushing the walls back out so that the people within can be free and safe and protected. Which do you want to be? This second group, this Israel group that struggles and wrestles with God for justice 
is set free and given a land. It's not problematic now, the conquest of Canaan, when you recognize it's a story. It's given a space to establish itself, and it's given a law. A law not to keep down, but a law to protect, to lift up, to look out for the needs, particularly of the vulnerable. And that's why corruption is so problematic, because the law and order doesn't work if it's not built on solid rock the kind of rock that protects the people who fall into the bottom. The portrait presents us with the question of which we will be when we are granted our freedom. What kind of power will we exert? And the story doesn't just ask questions, it makes statements. And one of the statements it makes is that God is on the side of the wrestling for the fairness and for the justice, not for the coercion, but for the freedom. The story reminds us of where we came from and who we are and therefore the kind of people that we want to be. We have to remember that we came from the narrow place if we want to find the free Place. Remember, it's such a recurring theme in Scripture. If you work your way through the Psalms, notice how often it says, remember, remember what God has done. Remember, remember. What does Jesus say on his last night in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his being squeezed out of existence by the Roman Empire? Remember. Which brings us back to mourning. We remember our suffering and the ways we've been pressed in on because that becomes the pathway to the promised land, into our own freedom. But if we do not recognize the ways in which we're being pinched, we'll never move. We will stay stuck as long as we pretend it's fine, when it's not. And so we share our mourning and our grief, knowing that it will help us to move forward together to go through this valley, however long it is and however dark it becomes, together. To follow a light that burns brightly. But it's a different kind of burning. It's not the kind of burning that is terrorizing the underbrush of California right now. It's the kind of burning found in the burning bush that Moses of this very story encountered the kind of burning that set aflame atop the apostles' heads, but did not consume them at Pentecost when the gift of the Spirit was given. That light is burning and is ready to lead us into freedom if we would but recognize it and follow. Amen.
want to begin our announcement time by thanking you, thanking you for your patience and your flexibility as we have tried out a few different worship formats over the last several weeks. We as a staff have weighed the pros and cons of live Zoom worship versus Facebook worship, and what we've decided to do for at least the next couple months is to continue for most Sundays in this way, uh, worshiping together on either Facebook or YouTube. However, the first Sunday of each month, we will gather on Zoom for a live worship together. The first Sunday of the month is Communion Sunday, and at least last week, it was so good to be together, to share in the elements face-to-face, -face, at least face-to-face -face on the screen. So that will be the plan for the next couple months, and then we will reevaluate. And really, we as a staff just want to thank you, not just for your flexibility and understanding in worship, but in all things. You know, it seems like everything we do these days, we're trying out, we're testing, we're creating as we go. And we're just so grateful that this congregation is a congregation of patience and of understanding and of creativity. It's, it's been fun to create together over these last few months. At times it has been frustrating, um, but you all have been so supportive and understanding and we just are so grateful to be journeying together through this very unknown time. Today was supposed to be our annual in-gathering brunch, the time where we gather together, we gather in uh, from wherever the summer has taken us to begin our time of fall together. Because we can't share in a brunch together today, we do have two options. First, immediately following this worship service at 11 a.m., we are going to gather on Zoom. It will be for a time of guided conversation and connection. Maybe we can recreate some of those conversations that we would have had while sharing brunch together. So the Zoom link went out in our e-news. It's also posted on our website. So we hope you will join us right after worship today. In addition today, we, were, we are going to have a drive-through parking lot blessing. This is a chance for you to come to the parking lot and hear a scripture, maybe hear a song, share in prayer together, all from the comfort of your car. So come to the parking lot today of Westminster between 2 and 3, and we will be there for a blessing. Please make sure that you do have a face covering with you. Our hymn sing is scheduled for this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. Ruthie does request that you RSVP to her in advance, so she has an idea of how many people will be joining, but I hope to see you there for the hymn sing. Finally, we have announced that Barbara Campbell's memorial service is going to be Tuesday at 3. Um, that's still a little uncertain as the family has had a more difficult time pulling things together for that service than they thought, so the best I can say for that is stay tuned and we will be sure to let you know the final details for that service. Should it be Tuesday or should it be postponed? So now I invite us to join together in our closing hymn.
now receive this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen.